What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of Be Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Wednesday, October 5th, 2022, as we are back once again with our NFL picks, week five. NFL picks against the spread over under for every game on the slate this week. Excited to be back here on the show. A little bit of a, a breakup from, you know, the monotony of Cardinals baseball. So boring, right? Team in the playoffs, thousands of people converging upon downtown St. Louis on Friday. It's going to be no fun. No, it's going to be a blast. But uh, I do like getting to dive into the, the football a little bit as well on the podcast. So if you're looking for Cardinals content, you're technically in the right place, just not for this episode. Scroll back on your podcast feed. The last couple of nights, we've had some good Cardinals conversation sort of gearing you up for the postseason. We know now the Cardinals will be playing the Phillies. So the matchup is set. Maybe some questions about what the Cardinals roster is going to look like. Probably Thursday, we'll do a show either discussing the roster as it's been released or still speculating about what the roster could and should look like. But for now, we're going to dive into some NFL talk. And I have mentioned in previous NFL Picks podcast that I would want to do some fantasy football conversation as well. I put out a call out on Twitter for the next podcast asking people for players they wanted to hear compared to one another. So I'm going to do a little bit of that off the top today. Didn't get too many responses this week. That's okay. I want to get into the habit of doing it though, and maybe people will uh, be more interested in asking about fantasy topics. Maybe they won't, but uh, I got to start somewhere with this. So appreciate you guys who did chime in with your thoughts there, and I'll give a little bit of that, and then we'll dive into the picks for week five, we'll also go over how the picks went for last week. Actually, a pretty good week. Um, better than better than historically I, I usually do, I would say, just because it's hard to be above 50% for long. Um, but we were well above 50% last week if you're counting the entire over-unders plus the against-the-spread picks. It was definitely a, a profitable week if you were betting using our picks, which uh, in your jurisdiction of legality you can do, or you can decide that Brendan's an idiot. I want to fade his picks. Uh, that would certainly be uh, respectable as well if you want to go that direction. So we'll talk about the record, and then we'll get into week five and uh, discuss each and every game on the slate. But before we jump into the content of the show, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to Be Shafe Daily on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for the iPhone users in the crowd. Make sure you rate and review as well on your respective app. Would appreciate you doing so as we get Be Shafe Daily rolling and in uh, in front of more earbuds. I guess not eyeballs because it's not a visual podcast, not yet anyway. But uh, make sure people uh, can hear about it. Tell your friends. Appreciate you guys for being here. And also, if you'd like to support the podcast, easy way to do so is patreon.com slash bshafer12. I post on the Patreon a link to the timestamps of all these picks on the NFL podcast so that if you're looking for a particular game breakdown, you know right where to go on each podcast. And I also write down the picks so you know uh, which side I'm on, whether I'm on the over or under for a game. I started doing that last week. Thank you, Craig, for the suggestion. I took it to heart and made that happen. I'll make it happen again here for week five. So just a, a little bit of a bonus if you're on to the Patreon. Uh, another bonus is just some articles, right? I put up an article about the postseason lineup, how I would handle it if I'm the Cardinals. I put that one up last night, a written post. So you get some bonus content like that, and it's just uh, a way to support all the content that I do, uh, whether it's audio, written, whatever. If you appreciate that content, um, I appreciate you for jumping on the Patreon. It makes a big difference for me, so thank you. Let's go ahead and jump into the content of the show now, though, as we get into first, I mentioned, going to do a little bit of the fantasy talk. Um, down the road, I could see doing just a, a strict podcast only about fantasy. That's the goal eventually, but for now, we're just going to throw a little bit of it into the regular NFL podcast and uh, sort of expand from there if the demand is there for it. Um, Hunter asked to compare Juju and Terry McLaurin. So that's where we're going to start off here on this episode. And I'll say this, I play in mostly PPR leagues for my fantasy leagues, but uh, if you have different settings and you ever want to chime in with your thoughts on players or you want to know about my thoughts on your players, make sure you let me know your league settings as well. That can be something that's pretty helpful in addition to uh, just the names of the guys. So let's go ahead and get right into the nitty-gritty on these two players. Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, veteran player of the league, obviously started out with Pittsburgh, and uh, has has now made his home in Kansas City. Off to sort of a slow start to the season, I would say, relative to probably where you drafted him. I'd say he's maybe been a disappointment through the first four weeks. PPR point totals of 11.9, 4 points, 13.9 in this most recent week, 
the Sunday night game against Tampa Bay had 9.6. So he's not killing you, but there hasn't really been a whole lot of upside there for Juju. And that might be a little surprising given he's in the Chiefs offense. You know that Kansas City working to replace Tyree Kill in that offense and find another guy that can be that big elite downfield threat. That's just not really Juju's game, though. I don't think he's going to be a home run hitter that's going to take the top off a of defense particularly often, especially when he's been sort of hampered with a knee injury on and off. I think that's something that's recurring for him and just may not ever really go away entirely. And so I, the top end burst and ability to make big plays, I don't think is going to be Juju's game. And the Chiefs have sort of been limiting his slap, uh, his snap count, not his slap count. I don't know how, how many run-ins he's had with Will Smith, but uh, the snap count, it shows it on Sleeper. Sleeper's a great app to do your fantasy football that's what I'm looking at to uh, to sort of diagnose these players here. In the 60s and 70s for snap count for the most part, so he's not on the field all the time for the Chiefs, seems to be a concerted effort to sort of limit his workload when they can. Obviously, when you're not on the field, you don't have a chance to accrue fantasy points. But in terms of his involvement in the offense, it's still been pretty good, getting his targets, getting some points. But again, touchdowns, I think when you get into the red zone, you saw last week for the Chiefs, guys like Jody Fortson were scoring touchdowns. Noah Gray got in as uh, the quarterback keeper on the, the fake play by Mahomes where he's pointing to the left. Random dudes are going to catch touchdowns or run touchdowns in this offense, and so I don't think Juju's always going to be a, a prominent red zone answer. That being said, we're comparing him here to Terry McLaurin, who you look at his snap count, he's 90-95% for the most part. He's on the field every play. Uh, but then again, he's got Carson Wentz throwing to him, not Patrick Mahomes, so that's sort of a downgrade. You're going to have the inconsistent games with Wentz, and therefore with McLaurin, he's got the potential, I think, to give you maybe not a goose egg, but to give you a bad week like he just had, three and a half fantasy points, six targets, but only caught two of them for 15 yards. But you look prior to that, McLaurin was actually pretty consistent. This was his one bad week, 13.8, 12.2, 16.2 in PPR settings for McLaurin. He, he found the end zone week one. That helped him get above the dozen point mark. But the last, I would say weeks two and three, when they played Detroit and Philly, which are two offenses that are going to force a team like Washington to keep throwing the ball, that's good for Terry because he got eight and nine targets in those games, totaled 177 yards between the two of them, didn't find the end zone, but averaged about 14 points in PPR for those two weeks. And on the season, even with that game of a three and a half that he just had against Dallas, he still has a, a pretty good scoring average for PPR. Juju or Terry, I'm taking Terry McLaurin of the two. That's a trade that I would make. I think this is a good week, a good time to trade for Terry McLaurin. Always, always, always. And this is a big part of what I want to do in terms of highlighting for fantasy trade opportunities. It's a pretty simple concept, but you'd be surprised the degree to which it can work if you employ it religiously. Buy low, sell high. It is no more complicated than that. Yeah, sometimes you're going to get one wrong. You might think that you're selling a guy high, but then he just turns out to be a superstar and, and you didn't know that. But guys like Terry McLaurin, they've been in the league for a few years. This is his third year, I believe, uh, fourth year actually in the league. And so you sort of know that Terry McLaurin is a very talented player, but you also know the limitations by now. The team he's on is often looking for a better quarterback, and so he's going to have those inconsistencies in his game. But if he has a week that you get three and a half points, you know that Terry McLaurin over the course of time is not going to be a guy that's going to get three and a half points every week. So if I'm looking at Terry this week, I'm saying that's a target for me. I'd be looking to sell somebody who generally, consensus-wise, is considered to be a lower-tier player, but maybe he had a really good week this past week. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case for Juju. Again, he was around 10 points. But if if I get somebody that's scared of McLaurin all of a sudden because he didn't have a good week and they're just looking to get out because they're tired of Carson Wentz and watching him play football, which is understandable— Maybe that's a deal you could get done. If you went Juju for Terry McLaurin, you could sell it if you're the Juju guy to say, hey, this is Patrick Mahomes' number one wide receiver. It's, it's technically true, but it's it doesn't necessarily mean as much as it sounds like, right? You've got Travis Kelsey there. You know the limitations in the red zone. So I'm not talking about with trades, and I talk a lot about trades because I make them every week. I'm very active on that, and if people want me to, I can tell you about the specific deals that I make. And maybe it jogs people's brains to say, oh, that's a deal that I could try to execute. Sometimes I win them, sometimes I lose them. I would say, though, by the end of the year, if you're constantly buying low and selling high, you're going to end up coming out on top in the end in terms of a value proposition. So that's sort of what I try to do when it comes to fantasy trades. 
And uh, this would be a great example of that. I think you try to trade for McLaurin right now. That doesn't mean trade Michael Pittman for him because, well, Michael Pittman had a bad week last week, so maybe I can, you know, get get rid of him. No, no, no. After a bad week for Michael Pittman, who got just six points last week, you keep him or you trade for him. You're not looking to trade your guys off of their bad weeks. You're looking to trade four guys who had them, and you're trying to give up your guy off your bench who happened to catch a touchdown and get 20 fantasy points. Uh, For instance, I did this with Romeo Dobbs a couple of weeks ago when he had his first big game. I added Dobbs to another player, and I was able to get a Michael Pittman. Those are the kinds of moves that I look to make. And you might say, well, if if other teams know you're doing it, then what's the, you know, they're just not going to let you do it. Sometimes people need depth, and it's not that it's a bad trade for them to give up a better player, but if they're getting two guys that they can legitimately plug into their lineup and get a win that week, it could end up working out for both sides. So that's sort of my my philosophy on trades. Uh, But thank you for this one, Hunter. I'm going McLaurin over Juju, I think, rest of season. Here's a few from Trevor. Brees Hall versus A.J. Dillon. Brees Hall really starting to get involved in the Jets' offense a lot more. And then you've got A.J. Dillon, who his involvement has been fine with the Green Bay Packers, but they've seen Aaron Jones sort of take more of a lead-back role since that week one game where Dillon was sort of the guy. More of a lead-back role for Jones than I expected. And you look at his snap counts, it's over 50%, but just barely every game. And the point totals, when he doesn't catch passes or find the end zone, not very gaudy. He scored 20 in week one. Ever since, it's been 7, 6, and 9.4. And so you're kind of left thinking, well, what do I do with A.J. Dillon? I still think in that offense, he's going to be necessary. He's still getting snaps, and he's getting touches. Rushing attempts, 10, 18, 12, 17. Uh, The targets I would like to see go up back to where they were in week one when he had six, but that's maybe not a realistic expectation. And because of that, if you're talking head-to-head, I think I'd trade A.J. Dillon for Brees Hall if I had the chance, and I would imagine that the Brees Hall owner isn't necessarily going to let that fly right now um, just because Brees Hall is is getting more opportunity as the season goes along. You usually expect that from a rookie. And impressively, he's been consistent. He hasn't had a game this year with fewer than 10 PPR points. Uh, the snap chairs have gone from 45 down to 27, which was maybe an anomaly in week two, to 51 to 66% of the snaps in the most recent week for Jets rookie Brees Hall. Ran 77, ran 17 times for 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, still getting targets in that offense. Yeah, I would I would be targeting Brees Hall now if, if there's somebody who says, oh, he's good, but I can get somebody uh, that I like a little bit better. Maybe maybe that's a move you can make because I think Brees Hall would be uh, someone who will get better as the season goes along. A.J. Dillon, I feel that way as well, but because of the consistency of the passing work for Hall and the fact that I think at the end of the season he'll be getting higher snap percentage on the regular compared to Dillon, uh, barring an Aaron Jones injury, I would go Brees Hall of the two. Garrett Wilson versus Romeo Dobbs, another Packer involved in this one. I mentioned Dobbs a little bit already. He had the breakout week, and he's getting snap share. He's potentially going to be Aaron Rodgers' number one. You have to make that decision. Do I want to go with a guy who's been 21 and 13 points the last two weeks, playing around 90% of snaps, getting eight targets per week, and scoring a touchdown in both games? Clearly a rookie uh, who wasn't highly drafted by the Packers. He was a later-round pick, but he's been really good. Starting to build the trust with Aaron Rodgers, that's very important. He could be a league winner. Like, there's no doubt about it. But if I'm looking at the potential for maybe a Garrett Wilson, who's another rookie who's gotten off to a hot start, but you're going to have some growing pains, I think, with Zach Wilson as he returns into the lineup there for the Jets. I, you know, I might, I might prefer Garrett Wilson even still. But then again, if you just want to go simply who's got the better quarterback, who's more necessary to the offense, I think it could end up being Dobbs in both cases. But you also could have Christian Watson appear. You could have Randall Cobb take on a bigger role. You could have the running backs, Aaron Jones and Dylan, just have bigger roles. You're kind of in a guessing game there with Dobbs. But I think he's only going to get better. And if he's playing already 90% of snaps, he's pretty safe. Um, I would prefer not to, like, I would I would want to target both Wilson, Garrett Wilson, and Dobbs if I had the chance, rather than... Um, decide between one or the other. I think what I actually did, though, was trade Wilson and Dobbs. That's who the other guy was to get Pittman. Pittman, to me, is a guy that we we think, I could be wrong, Garrett Wilson could end up being what uh, Jalen Waddell was last year to the Dolphins in his rookie year. But I think I know what a Michael Pittman is going to be to his offense. We've already seen the breakout, so he feels safer. I I tend to make those types of moves. Uh, Hasn't worked out for me so far, but you're seeing Garrett Wilson uh, get a lot of targets in the Jets' offense. He's increasing his snap share every week. So while I would have a tough time comparing Wilson and Dobbs, I might end up leaning Dobbs. But again, it's a it's a coin flip. I would say trade 
a more aging asset. Like if you can trade Robert Woods and something else for one of these two guys, that's the way I would look to do it. You want to get younger if you can, because those young guys, as the season goes along, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to enjoy what you get from them if you're just patient enough to wait for it. Jonathan Taylor versus Derrick Henry. Uh, the King has had a couple of good weeks, whereas Jonathan Taylor has been ruled out already for Thursday. He will not be playing against the Broncos on Thursday night with that. Uh, we think it's a high ankle sprain. If it were truly a high ankle sprain, you think they just put him on IR. It's hard to recover from those within a number of weeks, although I did trade for Jonathan Taylor today in a league. I gave up Damian Pierce, who's looked very good as a running back, the rookie for the Texans. I gave up Cam Akers, who's sort of a, a flyer at this point, but is in a good offense to where Akers could take back off, and he's a guy who was drafted pretty highly in fantasy drafts this year. I also gave up uh, A.J. Dillon, who I've talked about a little bit already. But when I look at Henry versus Taylor, like I'd rather have Derrick Henry. He's healthy. He's getting 25 points a week the last couple of weeks. He's a beast. He still looks like the guy, and he's now getting targets in that offense. I trust the Titans' offense more than I do the Colts' offense. I know that for a lot of people, Jonathan Taylor was the 1-1 in fantasy drafts this year. Not for me. And so, uh, yeah, I'd rather trade for a guy low than have to pay market price for him. I would take Henry right now over uh, over Jonathan Taylor, I do believe. And then uh, he also Trevor also chimed in with Kirk, Christian Kirk versus Drake London. I actually lean Kirk on that because I think Kirk can be more consistent. I'm a little bit worried about London. Uh, as much as I like him and think he could be a trade for target if you're not giving up too much, uh, he did just have a bad week, so that would fit with my philosophy. That being said, I do worry a little bit about the way he's manufactured his fantasy points to date. It might make him look a little bit more like a mirage than something that's sustainable. Um, first of all, the Falcons don't have huge passing volume in their offense, so I don't know how how often that's going to really pan out. It didn't last week when they only completed seven passes in week four. Uh, but I, I recall back to the game where the Falcons played the Rams. The Rams were up big, and the Falcons were getting some good garbage time and almost came back in that game. But the Rams were playing that sort of prevent defense, which allows really good chunk yards to players. And I'm telling you, I was watching the whole game. They just put Drake London into a screen situation almost every play, and the Rams were happy to let him do it because it was killing clocks. So stuff like that, I think, inflates the numbers of Drake London to this point in the year. Not to say he's not a really talented player. I just don't know how sustainable that is. And so I do prefer Christian Kirk, uh, who had three really good weeks and then had a, a rough week last week in the weather against Philadelphia. Uh, I would prefer the consistency of Kirk right now to London. Caleb Keller asked me to compare Tony Pollard to a trash can. That probably explains why he included Pollard to me in the trade for uh, Jonathan Taylor today. Maybe not a fan. Aaron wants me to compare Joe Flacco's and Domino's Pizza. Look, sometimes uh, you need something that can just get the job done. That's Domino's, and for the Jets this year, it was Joe Flacco. You know, they won a game, made that comeback over the Browns. I think it's an apt comparison. But that's all we're going to do for Fantasy Talk today. I'm going to, again, I'll put in the timestamp when we get into the NFL games. But uh, more of that and probably its own podcast moving forward, right? As long as we get people chiming in. At for 12 on Twitter, you can ask me anytime throughout the week. I'll start to log them so that when I go to do the, the episode once a week about fantasy specifically, I've got your questions right there, timely for that week. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun doing that. But thank you guys for indulging me in that. Let's go ahead and shift gears now to our NFL picks for week five. We'll go over what we did in week four first. Against the spread, not bad. Eight wins, six losses, and two pushes. The Ravens and Vikings games were pushes as Buffalo beat the Ravens 23-20. We had Ravens plus three. Obviously, neither side ends up being a winner there. And the Vikings, we had by three, but they won by precisely a field goal after the double doink by the Saints kicker, Will Lutz, in London. So those were a couple of pushes. We lost on the Dolphins, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Bucks, and the Rams. Did not have a good Sunday night or Monday night. And by the time I had gotten to Monday morning, I was convinced the Niners were going to win that game. And uh, so on my picks contest, I actually did switch it. Actually, I, I hope I did. If I didn't, I'm going to be kind of pissed at myself because I was convinced that that was going to be uh, the way it broke down. And if I forgot to switch it, then that is just leaving points on the board. So I would be kind of upset about that. But nevertheless, uh, sometimes I get, you know, no, oh, yeah, I didn't switch it. Whoops. Well, that's unfortunate. But I still uh, had a pretty good week there. On the picks, I went 10 and 6 because I guess uh, there, there were some slightly different odds than what we had on our pick sheet where we did, uh, we just look at DraftKings on, now I'm doing this on a Wednesday night. So we're looking at DraftKings. 
those are the odds that we're going to use as if you're betting the entire slate right then and there. Eight, six, and two against the spread, and then 10 and six on over under. So, pretty good week last week on that. You go 18, 12, and two overall. You divide 18 by 30, which would be 18 and 12. The, the picks that didn't push are, are sort of eliminated. That's a 60% winning percentage. That we would take over the long haul, absolutely. Now, will I be able to make that happen is another matter entirely. But, hey, we're going to give it a shot and try and find out. Let's go ahead and get going and run through all 16 games this week in the NFL. No bye weeks yet, so it's a full slate. Beginning with the Thursday night game between the Colts and the Broncos. The Broncos are hosting Indianapolis for this one. Denver minus three and a half. They're favored by just above a field goal at DraftKings Sportsbook. And I have not been impressed at all by the Broncos offensively this season. They just lost to the Raiders, who were picking up their first win in that game. The Colts, not all that impressive either. They sort of had the underwhelming bowl between themselves and the Titans last week, and they lost it at home. So if you look at the Colts, they've got that impressive win over the Chiefs, but beyond that, they tied the Texans, lost to the Jaguars, got shut out by the Jaguars, rather, and uh, just lost hosting the Titans. So I am not super high on the Colts right now. They will be without Jonathan Taylor. As much as it pains me to say it, I think that probably is enough to get Denver and Russell Wilson this win. The Broncos looked better. Russell Wilson had a better game last week in that loss to the Raiders. He was at least able to move the ball. I think he threw a couple of touchdowns. Uh, he may have even run one in. 32-23 to 23 was the loss there for the, the Broncos. I don't think that the offensive intensity or upside of the Colts is such that they're going to be able to outrace Denver in this one. It's going to be kind of a low-scoring game. I don't know that I trust the Colts' defense all that much, but I do trust Denver's with where it's at. So I'm taking the Broncos here, minus the three and a half. I think they can win this game by six or seven, maybe ten points, if the Colts really struggle offensively. Uh, the the total is my my favorite pick of this game, though. It's, it's 42, and I don't think it gets there. Under 42 is the way I'm looking at for this one. We'll say Broncos... It's going to be kind of ugly still. I, I, I was going to say something like 24. That feels like almost too many. Um, we'll say like 20 points for the Broncos. And we'll go 13 for the Colts. Like I really am predicting it to be kind of an ugly game. So Broncos 20, Colts 13, not near the total. That's what we're going with for the Thursday night game. Moving on now to the Sunday slate. We'll kick things off with the Giants heading to London to take on the Packers. Packers are technically the home team, but this game is once again in London, 8.30 a.m., so if you've got a situation for fantasy, especially if you're on the West Coast, uh, I've got a buddy, Caleb, who last week had Alvin Kamara in his lineup, woke up about 30 minutes after that game started, 6.30 Pacific time in the morning, and uh, did not take Kamara out of his lineup because didn't know that he was going to be inactive. Nobody really did, so... I mean, if you really want to be legit about fantasy, I would say set an alarm for real early just to make sure there's no surprising news, and then you can go back to bed if you really want to. Uh, but that game kicking off 8.30 a.m. Central Time. The Packers favored by eight over the Giants. And my problem with the Packers has been so far this season questioning whether they can offensively do enough. They don't have Devontae Adams, and they're struggling with that fact. Can they do enough to beat anybody by these gaudy point totals? Last week it was point uh, nine points against... The, uh, the Patriots, and they went into overtime. So clearly they did not cover that. We got that one right by fading Green Bay last week. The Giants' offense is even different compared to the struggles of the Patriots, but actually in many ways it's not because Daniel Jones could be out for this game. Uh, I believe he's got an ankle and maybe a concussion situation as well. Tyrod Taylor is the backup in New York. He's got a concussion situation. It could literally be like Jake Fromm or somebody random that, that has to start at QB for the Giants this week, despite the fact that New York is 3-1. and one. Uh, They're eight-point underdogs, I think more so because of that quarterback situation. That being said, they have a good defense, and I still have not seen enough to expect the Packers uh, to really be able to move the ball at will. So even though it, it pains me to pick the Giants, given the big questions they have at quarterback, like if Daniel Jones plays, I again, he's not great, but I think he's enough to keep it within eight points. Weird situation in London. Like, are the Packers suddenly going to turn into an offensive juggernaut? I don't know about it. Not uh, with the way that we've seen them play so far this season. So I'm looking for that to be a little bit closer of a game than the eight points. I do think the Packers win it. Total at 40 and a half, again, reflects uh, not only the struggles of the Packers, but the situation with the Giants 
and their quarterback. I feel like this is a game that probably can get over that 40 and a half, but again, it could be another ugly one as well. Um, I'm thinking the Packers win it by six or seven. Eight's a little bit too rich for my blood. I'm going to go Packers 23, Giants 16. And as I talk through it, that means under. So that's a little bit scary to me. I do think that if it goes wrong, here's how it goes wrong. Giants run game a little bit susceptible to giving up big gains. It could be an A.J. Dillon week um, where I have him still in fantasy. I think I'm firing him up and starting him because I do think he might have a good day on the ground. Aaron Jones obviously could. And if that's the case and they run away with it, they don't need to throw the ball. They're they're getting chunk plays on the ground, then the Packers can cover the spread. I'm going to say they don't, though. Give me Packers 23, Giants 16. We're going to go under the 40 and a half, and we're going to take the eight points with New York. It definitely does feel weird to do it, but it worked last week when we took the inept Patriots, and Bailey Zappi still found a way for the most part in that game. The combo of Brian Hoyer, Bailey Zappi. Figured out how to keep it close against the pack, and... Uh, that's just the way their offense is going this year. I don't trust Green Bay just yet until they can uh, show a little bit of development with the younger receivers that they've got in the building now. This could be a very interesting game. The Steelers heading to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Kenny Pickett, the expected starter for that one for Pittsburgh. And holy crap, is this right? The Bills are favored by 14 points? Guys, the Steelers' defense isn't that bad, is it? I don't know. I, I can't believe this isn't even right. This can't be right. I'm going to refresh it. I'm going to refresh the page just to make doubly sure that I'm not missing something here. Yeah, 14 points. I got it. Like, is that's DraftKings. That's just so many. I don't remember seeing, even with some of the lopsided matchups that, that existed last year, I don't remember seeing 14 points. But that's it's what it is on FanDuel as well. So I'm going to go with it. I'm surprised to see that. I'm not, I, I love Josh Allen. I've got him on multiple fantasy teams. I think that Stefan Diggs is a beast. Steelers won't be able to stop him. I think Gabriel Davis, he practiced in full on Wednesday, so maybe he's getting over that ankle injury and can be a factor again after being uh, pretty much just a decoy for the last couple weeks. Um, that being said, 14 points. Am I really going to do this? I don't think I am. I think I'm going to accept the two touchdowns. I don't think Kenny Pickett is as bad as Trubisky. I think he's going to find a way to get them some scoring drives, take care of the football. Granted, he did throw three picks last week, but I, you know, one of them was a heave at the end, so it doesn't really count against him, in my opinion. One of them was uh, tipped by the, like, off the hands of the receiver. I, it was in kind of double coverage, but still, I don't think he's as bad as he looked in terms of the passing game last week, and he did run in a couple of touchdowns, so he's, he feels gritty. To me, like Kenny Pickett's going to find a way to at least get the Steelers some points. The over-under in this game is 46, so kind of uh, expanding beyond just the the strict picks that we normally do. That would say to me that the implied team total for the Steelers is 15 and a half or so. That's what they have it set at there for DraftKings. Um, I don't know that they get over that, but they certainly get between like either 13 or 16. You would have to think. Unless the Bills just shut them out, which we've seen them kind of do, where the Rams week one, the Titans week two just had no offensive ability against Buffalo. Like, the Ravens only scored 20 against them, so I get it. They're a really good defense. I'm giving the Steelers at least 13 points. I don't even need to say they get to the implied team total, and you can bet that at DraftKings 15.5 over-under, minus 120 on the over. So that means the over is a slight favorite. I'll say they don't even get to that. Oh, man, are the are the Bills going to have that kind of game? Or are they going to sputter a little bit? Because that's two weeks in a row that they didn't have a great game. Granted, it was probably weather-related against the Ravens. Not good weather in that game, but they only scored 23. And the game against the Dolphins, they looked a little bit beleaguered. And so I'm having a hard time just buying in all the way with my picks here. Oh, boy. But if I only give the, the Pittsburgh Steelers 13, it's going to be... Hard not to take Buffalo because they're not getting held below 27, are they? This is tricky. This is really tricky. I, I want to go 27-16 Steelers, which is only 43 points. That ends up being the under. The reason I feel okay about the under, even if Buffalo gets to 30, you could still have a game where the Steelers kind of crap the bed the way apparently the sportsbooks think they're going to. 
and you still find a way under the 36. Like, it could be 30 to 13, and you're still under the 46. So that's my preferred pick of the two is actually under, unless the Bills' defense just gives up more to the Steelers than we think. And if they do, the Steelers are going to cover the 14 points. So I'm, again, just taking the big bag of points that I'm being gifted, even though I think Buffalo certainly wins the game and they win it at home, and it could be ugly. Like, it's totally possible that I'm just off on this, but two touchdowns uh, to a team like the Steelers with a coach like Mike Tomlin and a Bills team that's been a little bit not firing on all cylinders, I guess I would say, since those first two weeks where they crushed the Rams and crushed the Titans. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm taking the Steelers. I'm taking the under. Give me Bills 27, Steelers 16. Um, The Bills are probably going to score 30 points. But, hey, my fantasy team will be happy for that. But that's where we're going. We're going Steelers. We're going under. Moving on to the next game on the slate, we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons heading to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Nine-point spread. Tampa Bay favored in this game. Didn't look good defensively at all against the Chiefs, but that was probably a Patrick Mahomes problem, more so than a Tampa Bay defense problem. I think the Chiefs were just so motivated after the Super Bowl loss a couple of years ago to get some revenge over Tampa. They did it. I think Tampa maybe is going to reverse that trend a little bit and take it out on the Falcons this week. I just think Atlanta, they don't have Cordero Patterson. He's on IR now with a knee. They don't have a lot of offensive weapons that they're at least willing to use. Like Kyle Pitts, Drake London, that's a great start. But you had Marcus Mariota complete seven passes last week. When you've got those two guys to throw to, that's just not acceptable. I think the Bucs defense is going to make a stand a little bit after getting embarrassed against Kansas City at home. Now they're going to get to play the Falcons at home. That's a much easier matchup. I think the offense, they scored 31 in that game against KC, and KC's defense played pretty well. I think the Bucs are in the 30s again this week. I think it's a high-scoring game for them. Give me Buccaneers 31, Falcons 17. That means we narrowly go over. The total is at 48, or pardon me, 47 and a half. We're at 48 points, so we're going to take the over on that. And we're taking the Bucks at home. Even though the minus nine is a pretty big number, I think the Falcons' offense is going to struggle a little bit. And we could see Desmond Ritter sooner than later if they continue to rack up losses. Chicago Bears heading to the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings favored by seven in this game with a total of 44 points. We've seen the Vikings sort of be a tale of two teams so far this year. I came in thinking, oh yeah, they're going to beat the Packers week one. They're going to look great offensively with Kevin O'Connell. Former Rams OC is their new head coach. That passing game is going to be electric. Well, week one, it worked out. Then they got embarrassed by the Eagles. They had a a rock fight with the Lions where they just threw back and forth on each other, and the Lions end up falling short in that one, so the Vikings get the win outright. And then the Vikings, again, they get the job done. Like, they're not necessarily always winning pretty, but in that London game last week, they survived 28-25 over the Saints and uh, backup quarterback over there, Andy Dalton, last week. So the Vikings, I think, defensively have a little bit to be desired. But again, like they held the Lions to 24, and that's more impressive than it sounds like in this season where Detroit is uh, one of the top offenses in terms of just amassing yards, amassing points on the year. So like, I don't think the Vikings defense is terrible. They've had no game where they've allowed more than 25 points. Like the, That output by the Saints was the most that they've given up all year. So nothing too embarrassing, but it's pretty consistently that teams are going to get that 24, 25 points against them ever since the clunker that Green Bay put up in week one. That being said, they're playing the Bears this week, and the Bears don't really know a whole lot about scoring points. Uh, Despite the fact that they're 2-2, there's got to be something to give here for Justin Fields if you're going to end up being that guy in the offense the way Chicago fans hope he can be. Point totals of 19 in that storm against the uh, 49ers week one where they all slip and slided their way to uh, happiness after the win, 19-10 over the 49ers. Since then, 10 points against the Packers, 23-20 win over the uh, the Texans. It was not anything too impressive. And then they lost 20-12 to this past week to the, the Giants. Offensively, you're going to have to do more if you're going to keep up with the Vikings this week, and I just don't know on the road that the Bears are going to be able to do that. So I'm looking at the Vikings minus 7. Yes, the Bears have a solid defense, but their offense has just been non-existent. they got to throw the ball more. they got to get guys like Darnell Mooney involved. Cole Komet probably needs to be involved more as a receiver. I know they didn't get Justin Fields a lot of weapons, but they have a couple use them. You can't just have this rushing offense uh, and have that be the only thing you rely upon. Not against this Vikings group that's going to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, to Adam Thielen, uh, to Irv Smith. They're going to they're gonna push the ball down the field, and, and Dalvin Cook probably doesn't have a great game again because I keep thinking that he will, and he hasn't broken out just yet, but the talent's still there for Dalvin Cook. I don't think he's over the hill, so 
It's only going to be a matter of time. I like the Vikings, though, in this game. I just don't think the Bears can score with them, and so that seven-point spread is not enough to me. Uh, looking at this total of 44, I think the Vikings, once again, they're going to get into that mid-20s, maybe even the high-20s against the Bears. They're at home. That's a benefit to Minnesota. Uh, they've played well at home so far this season, um, beating the Lions, beating the Packers in their building. They get to do that again this week. Twenty-seven. Uh, Man, we're going to be right on that number in terms of the 44. I was thinking 27-17. I'm not going to predict a push. I just don't know that the Bears are going to be able to, to score enough points to help this one get over. And I'm getting a little concerned because the only over I've picked so far is the Buccaneers game. And the Buccaneers have one of the better defenses in the league, so that's a little tricky. I'm looking at this one, though. I'm thinking that the Vikings are going to be at least somewhat subdued by the Bears, and the Bears just aren't going to be able to do much scoring. I think that's the way it's going to go. Give me Vikings. I hate to do it again, but I'm going to do the exact same prediction I did for the Bills game against the Steelers. Vikings 27, Bears 16. That puts us under the 44 points. Moving on along to a battle in the AFC East. The Dolphins head to New York to take on the Jets. How about those Jets with Zach Wilson back in the fold last week? They got that win over Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. Well, it was Mitch Trubisky when they started out, but by the end of the game, it wasn't because that's how bad Mitch was. But the Jets now, how about this? Two and two after four weeks. They got that win over the Steelers. They beat the Browns in the comeback a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they're hanging in there. AFC East may be a better division than we thought because I like the Bills, obviously. I like the Dolphins with the way they started out. They'll get two back eventually. And the Patriots sort of holding their own. The wins aren't coming in bunches for New England, but they're holding their own. And the Jets at 2-2 two and two right now. So I'll be interested to see the way that division just looks top to bottom by the end of the year. I think I was expecting not as much from a team like the Jets. So we'll see if they're able to get close to that 8-9 or nine win threshold. I doubt it, but we'll see. This week, they're getting three points at home against Miami. It's going to be Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy Bridgewater will be the quarterback for the Dolphins. I think with a week to prepare... The Dolphins are going to have a better showing than they did against the Bengals after Teddy came in in that Thursday night game. Obviously, we don't know how soon two is going to be back. He has been ruled out for week five, but that game plan is going to revolve around what Teddy's strengths are this week, and they're going to be prepared for what that looks like. I think the Dolphins, the, again, three-point spread, it's no guarantee that the Dolphins get this win. It is on the road, but I feel like this is an important game for the Dolphins to sort of assert where they are still, not just with their quarterback, because they have to go with the backup, obviously. But as an offense, as a defense, as a team unit, what they can be, Mike McDaniel, I think, is going to have them ready to play this week. So I like the Dolphins only having to give up three points. I think the talent disparity is pretty significant in favor of Miami. I really like this team. So I'll go with the Dolphins there. Uh, Zach Wilson's going to be a little reckless. He's going to throw the ball around. I think they can lead to uh, some defensive scoring, potentially opportunities for Miami. But also the Jets are going to move the ball too. So 46 I don't think is quite enough. I don't view this game as a defensive struggle like you might think it could be. Give me Miami 27, Jets 23. That's 50 total points. So over the 46 and Miami clears the field goal margin by a point. It could even be a little bit more than that. But I'm confident in the Dolphins uh, going with the minus three there. So Dolphins minus three and over 46 against the Jets on Sunday. Moving right along, we're going with the Chargers at the Cleveland Browns. Los Angeles, minus 2.5, and, and the total on this game is 47.5. I think the Chargers are going to be ending up in one of those playoff spots in the AFC wildcard race. I don't think anybody's catching the Chiefs in that division, but I do think that the Chargers are one of those teams that's improved. They've got the quarterback situation figured out. But this is a big week for the Browns because every week that they're able to to bring down a win that you don't necessarily expect before Deshaun Watson returns to the starting job with that team following his suspension, uh, the better the chances for the Browns to sneak into the playoffs as well are. And they're at home in this game. That's an opportunity. I mean, they're 2-2 two and two right now. They're tied atop their division. Uh, they did blow the very unfortunate home loss to the Jets a couple weeks back, but they got the win over the Steelers at home. So they're 1-1 one and one at home. They've played such a weak schedule. This is really their first test. And just looking at like the disparity between the teams that they've played already, the Panthers, the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons, I think all of those are bad teams. 
They just lost to the Falcons in Atlanta this past week. And then you you take on the Chargers. I don't think two and a half points is enough. I know the Chargers are two and two as well. You look at how they've gotten to two and two. It's been with a win over the Raiders, who I think, despite the one and three record, are actually a pretty decent team. That was a hard fought game by Los Angeles. Lost to the Chiefs that the Chargers had them beat, if not for that 99 yard interception touchdown. How big will that end up being at the end of the season in terms of switching uh, standings around in that AFC West? They lost to the Jaguars, but that was a game that Justin Herbert simply should not have played a couple of weeks ago. He, he didn't look healthy. And then on the road at the Texans, not a great win for the Chargers, but uh, Herbert looked better. I think Herbert's going to have a good game on the road against Cleveland. It could be it could go the other way, but two and a half points. I mean, if you're telling me that all Herbert's got to do is win by a field goal and he gets this done, I am more than happy to take Justin Herbert in that situation. Uh, you've had some garbage scoring for the Browns because their, their, their games have been a little bit more shootouty than you would have thought. I think back to even that game against the Steelers, who did not have a good offense with Trubisky at the time. That one ended up 29-17. That's 46 points right there. This one's just 47 and a half, and Justin Herbert is much better than Mitch Trubisky. I'm going with the Chargers in this game, certainly minus the two and a half. Maybe one of my favorite picks of the week against the spread. 47 and a half, the total. For the kind of game I think it's going to be, uh, kind of a, another building block for the Chargers offensively. I think Eckler and Mike Williams, who were great last week, they're probably going to be great again. I'm not worried about this offense at this point if Justin Herbert is back to health, which he seems to be recovering well from the rib issue, and he played well last week. So, therefore, I'm I'm thinking we see some points in this game. Give me Chargers 30, and then we'll go Cleveland. Hmm. We'll go Cleveland 22. Let's make it weird. Let's get weird. That's 52 points, though, and that is over the 47 and a half. So I feel pretty good about it on both counts. Give me Chargers 30, Cleveland 22, which means the Chargers minus the two and a half and over 47 and a half total points. Next game on the docket is the Texans at the Jaguars. Not a whole lot to say about this game. I think the Jags are the better team, though. The point spread shows that uh, Jacksonville minus seven, 43 and a half the total. The Texans seem to be that team that they, they can get to 20 about every game. The one week they didn't get there was against the Broncos. They lost that game 16-9 to in Week 2. More of a defensive battle, but 20 in Week 1 against the Colts, 20 in Week 3 against the Bears, and this past Week 24 against the Chargers. So I feel like, yeah, like the Texans are not a great offense, but they're going to they're gonna make things interesting for an over that's only 43.5, especially with the way that the Jaguars have moved the football. Sometimes you get these two bad teams together, and you think they're bad, and, and so the offense is kind of... Uh, go with that self-fulfilling prophecy and don't look good. I think the Jags are going to look good, though. They get this game at home. Hopefully no weather implications for them this week like there were last week for Jacksonville. I'm looking at the Jags probably getting this job done. So minus the seven, I feel like it, it could be a double-digit win, maybe nine points, something like that for Jacksonville. 43-and-a-half doesn't really scare me. It's not high enough, I don't believe. I look for Jacksonville to get to about 27 points, maybe even a little bit more. Give me... Jaguars 30, Houston 20. I think that uh, Jacksonville and, and Trevor Lawrence, they take another step forward now playing in some better weather this week. They cover the seven, and again, a 43-and-a-half. I think that they're looking at the name value of these teams offensively and not really what they've done so far this year. I like Jacksonville to uh, get it going again offensively in this one. Like They didn't even play badly against the Eagles, 21 points against Philly. It's a much better defense, and uh, they get this one at home. It's a no-brainer for me. Jacksonville 30. Houston 20, it's Jags minus the 7 and over 43.5. Here comes a fun one. Detroit Lions at New England Patriots. Patriots are favored by 3 at home. The total is at 45.5. I think this line suggests that the books believe Mac Jones is going to return after just missing one week with the supposedly high ankle sprain. I don't know how he gets back after one week. I guess they taped the crap out of it. He's a relatively immobile quarterback usually, and so maybe he just doesn't need to have the mobility to get on the field and, and outplay what they would expect to get from Zappi or Brian Hoyer if he's back from the concussion. So that's an interesting line to me. I It doesn't scare me, though, because the Lions offense is just operating at such a great pace. They're, I mean, that game against the Seahawks was wild. 48-45, Detroit lost it. Uh, it nearly doubled the over. I think the total was like 47.5. I love the Lions. The gift that keep on giving right now, they're 4-0 on overs this year and against the spread. They're 3-1. I still don't think they're getting enough credit in this one because their offense is flat-out better than the Patriots. 
the Patriots got to 24 points last week against a decent enough Green Bay Packers defense, but I like the Lions. Like, I think the Lions win this game straight up. I'm I'm starting to buy in on them. I have been bought in on them, but uh, it's just fun every week to be able to look at the, the Lions and go, yeah, I think they're missing on the Lions again this week. I'll go, granted, I will say this, last week I was very heavily interested in the Seahawks and they did end up covering as an underdog. So maybe they weren't missing, but that's another example of a team that I think is undervalued at times, depending on who they're facing. Uh, they they play the Saints this week. We'll get into the conversation about how the Saints quarterback situation might affect my view on that point spread. But this week, I'm not a fan of the Patriots offense. I do like the Lions offense. Uh, Lions defense is bad, but they can win a shootout. They don't mind it. So I'm going to take the Lions plus the three points. The money line is, is plus 140. I, I kind of like that as a sneaky play this week. Um, but certainly give me the field goal bonus for the Lions since we're just doing against the spread picks uh, on the show here. And that 45 and a half I, for that Lions offense, I don't think it's enough. So I'm going to go Detroit 30, Patriots 24. That gets it to 54 points. Yeah, that's definitely more than the 45 and a half. Uh, so, yep, that's the way that I see it breaking down again. Patriots don't have a great offense. It could even be, you know what, let me do this. I'm going to go 30-27 because I have to acknowledge the fact that the Lions defense is bad. And if you get Mac Jones back, even if you don't, the Patriots are going to be able to put up mid-20s. But the Lions win the game. Give me a way over. And Again, my favorite pick of last week was over in the Seattle Lions game, and it nearly doubled the total. This is one of my favorite picks of the week. Again, I just don't think there's ever going to be any such thing as a defensive struggle in a Detroit Lions game this year, no matter who they're facing. So they automatically make the opposing offense at least mediocre, even if they suck. And uh, it almost doesn't matter who the defense is. The Lions are going to put up some garbage points. This week, though, I think they get the win. Give me Lions 30, pass 27, so that's Detroit, plus the three and over the 45 and a half. Another noon central kickoff between the Titans and the Washington Commanders. That game's in D.C. on the East Coast. The Commanders are home underdogs by two and a half points. The Titans are getting two and a half in that game, or giving, I should say, two and a half in that game to the Commanders. 42 and a half the total. It's going to be right around that total. It's going to be right around it. Uh, I'm thinking this game's like another 23 to 20 type of outcome. Uh, the Titans last week, I got to double check what their score was against the Colts. 24, 27. Uh, I'm going to stop. 24, 17. Titans defeated the Colts. Slow down, Brendan. Titans beat the Raiders 24, 22. Like week one, they lost to the Giants 21, 20. These are Titans scores. If I've ever heard of them, like they're going to be right on that total. I'm going to go Titans 23, Commanders 20 in this one. I think another road win, another big win for the Titans. Derrick Henry, you cannot stop that guy. He's also getting involved in the passing game, as I mentioned in the fantasy segment at the beginning of the show. I'm I'm liking where things are heading for the Titans right now. The Commanders should have an offense that can get things going a little bit. I know that I've only narrowly selected this game to go over the 42.5 by picking a, a, a total that hits at 43, but the over is not a bad pick here because I do believe that at home that the Commanders – could get it going offensively a little more than I anticipate. Uh, the Titans don't have a perfect defense, but they're just kind of playing those ugly games, and I think they find out a, a way to get another one in the W column after that 0-2 start. So for Tennessee, they're moving in the right direction. This spread is not enough for me uh, to, to avoid the road team Titans in this one. So I'll go Tennessee 23, Commanders 20, and uh, I do like the over 42.5, even though I only selected it by one or even a half a point based on my final score. And this is kind of crazy. I started off picking three unders and then an over, then an under. And then I've now selected five overs in a row. But you're getting to some of these offenses that I feel like are going to be able to put up some garbage points against some lesser defenses. And you're also, I mean, the totals here are just all of them mid-40s and below. And I just don't think for some of these matchups that it makes a lot of sense. Here's another one that's going to be interesting. The Saints defense could force me to go under this 46. It's Seattle at New Orleans. Seattle is getting five and a half points. That puts the Saints as favorites by that amount at home. They're coming off that London game. What a disappointing way to end it for the Saints overseas. Double doink in the kick. It was a long kick by Will Lutz. Couldn't get it through. He's typically a very reliable kicker, but that was, I think it was over 60 yards. It was a very long kick. 46 is the total here. Like I like the Seahawks offense figuring out a way to get things going right now, but the Saints defense is going to be a little bit more of a problem uh, I would have to think than the Lions was. So Geno Smith is as good as he's looked as a game manager. He's been a little bit of a playmaker as well. This is where I maybe go and reverse the trend of overs because I think it could be somewhat of an ugly game. The Saints, 
My problem is, like, no Michael Thomas, potentially no Jameis Winston again. No Alvin Kamara. Is that a question mark? He, he has, I believe, returned to practice in a limited form, but he's missed a couple of games in a row with the rib injury. That's a little scary for me. I'm going to I'm gonna hope against hope they get Kamara back this week, and if they do, I think that allows them to win the game. I don't feel good about giving uh, the Seahawks five and a half. Like, they're, decent, they're decently enough capable on defense. I'm going to go with a little bit of an ugly score here. Give me... Saints 20, Seahawks 17. That's going to be under the 46. It could be a little higher scoring than that even. Uh, You could get 24-20, those kinds of scores. I'm liking the under 46. I'm going to say the Seahawks keep it within the 5.5, though. So give me Seattle plus 5.5 points and under 46 in this one. The final noon game of the slate on Sunday. Now we're cooking. We're finally done with that big, hefty noon slate. Let's get to the 3 o'clock games at 3.05 Central. The 49ers traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. San Francisco, six-and-a-half-point road favorites. You're going to need to make them more than that. I'm buying in on this 49ers team. I said it on the big show earlier this week. I would be looking for a jurisdiction of legality and maybe place in a a $10 wager on the 49ers to make the Super Bowl. I know the Eagles look really good, but that defense for San Francisco, I think, can get it done. The skill position players that are there, I could totally see a 49ers-Eagles NFC Championship game And right now, the 49ers are like fourth or fifth on the list in terms of favorites to come out of the conference. So I I think it was like plus 700. I don't think that's a bad bet at all for what we're seeing from this team right now. The the numbers are only going to get less favorable on the odds for them as time goes on because they're going to win this week at the Panthers, and you're going to see Matt Rule fired, uh, fired, I should say, relatively soon. He's He's not a good head coach. Should be the first NFL coach fired this year. We'll see how long that ends up taking. I like the 49ers minus the six and a half. The total is at 39. There are concerns about the 49ers offense. That is definitely true. Uh, but against the Rams, like they did enough. And I think they're like, they scored a touchdown defensively. That is an absolutely a factor when you think about this 49ers team and, and approaching totals. I'm going to have to go over the 39 just because I think uh, even against a capable enough defense of Carolina, that's really all they have going for them because right now Baker Mayfield not getting the job done offensively, really helping them move the ball. They do have McCaffrey, but they're just not getting enough usage out of him. It did improve this past week, but I still think they need to be leaning more heavily on CMC for as long as they've got him healthy. I think you got to favor this 49ers team by seven. That's the the hook to under seven is where I feel pretty good about San Francisco in this one. Um, even like a, a, a 24 to 16 or 17 final gets over the 39. So that's the way I'm going to go. I'm going to go 49ers 24, Carolina 16. San Francisco covers the six and a half, and it goes over the 39. Next on the docket, interesting game. Cowboys at Rams, 325 Central Time. Rams are minus five and a half in this game. Over-under is at 43. I don't know if I can take the Rams after what we saw happen with Matt Stafford on Monday Night Football against that 49er defense. The Cowboys defense gets a pretty good pass rush as well. You look throughout this season, and the Cowboys are a sneaky good defense. Like, I don't... I, they don't get talked about enough, I think, for the job that they've done. Held the Buccaneers to 19 on, on the opening game. Granted, they lost 19-3. to It was ugly for the Bucs and for the Cowboys. But that defensive performance by the Cowboys, it's still impressive. Like, they haven't allowed 20 in a game to an opponent all season. Cowboys beat the Bengals 20-17 to with Cooper Rush. Then they did it against the Giants 23-16. to And this past week, 25-10. to the Cowboys beat the Commanders. So that's a real defense. And the Rams offensive line is in shambles right now. I'm surprised to see this as the spread. Plus 195 is the money line for the Cowboys to win this game outright. That's not crazy to me. Like the Cowboys could absolutely win this game. I love the Cowboys plus the five and a half. Unless the Rams just sort of like kick it into gear and figure out a way to have their offense be something besides throw to Cup, throw to Higby, throw to Cup, throw to Higby, which is great for me in fantasy. I've got them both in, in various leagues. That being said, the run game was just kind of non-existent again this week against San Francisco. Cam Akers looks slow. He doesn't look like he's uh, explosive in any way, shape, or form. Hard to run behind that offensive line, though, as well. And Daryl Henderson wasn't much of a factor. So I just don't really know that the balance of the Rams' offense is going to be good enough to contend with a a Cowboys pass rush that could have them under duress for the majority of the game. I like the Cowboys plus the 5.5. The 43 total tells me maybe predicting a little bit of an ugly game which I get given the Rams' offensive line issues. Cowboys' offense, I thought, has been fine. Uh, the Rams do have a good, very capable defense. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, you've got guys to contend with there for sure. 
Uh, Bobby Wagner tackling streakers on the field. I mean, th- those things are happening. And if you're the Cowboys, you got to pay attention to them. That being said, 43 feels a little bit low to me. I think this game could get to 44, 45, 47, something of that nature. Um, Boy, I, I'm trying to figure out if I'm really going to go on the limb and pick the Cowboys to win it outright or not. Like, what's the depth of the Rams problems going to be? I think we're going to maybe find out this week just how bad it is going on the road to play, but that's basically Jerry Jones's house, right? They're going to the house that Jerry built. It's just the Stan Kroenke dome because Jerry certainly had his way in helping uh, get that thing done and get the Rams out of St. Louis. Thanks for that, Jerry. Uh, But all that bitterness aside, I do think the Cowboys have a decent chance to win this game. So we're looking at Dallas plus five and a half. Let's find a total score that's going to get us there. Cowboys 20. Uh, I won't be bold enough. I'll say the Rams 24, Cowboys 20. That gets it over the 44. Again, I feel better about the... I mean, that money line Cowboys, I'm really close to doing it. I'm not going to go there officially, but it doesn't really matter. I'm taking the Cowboys 5.5. That's what we really do for the, the podcast. So give me the points, and uh, I'll go over 43 just because I feel as though even if you don't get Dak Prescott back, which I don't think he will return this week, Cooper Rush has been plenty capable. It could be an ugly start to the game. Um, but if it's not, like if those offenses are trading touchdowns with their capable receivers, Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, like if that's the sort of script we get, it's going to go over by halftime. So I feel decent enough about the over 43, but I'll take the Cowboys plus the five and a half and uh, up to your discretion over whether you think they can win it outright. But it, it may be worth a flyer at plus 195 on the money line at DraftKings. One more 325 game, and it's a good one. Two really good quarterbacks. Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. That's a Jalen Hurts-Kyler Murray matchup. I like it. Eagles are liked by the sports books. Minus five and a half points on the road in Arizona. Total at 49. Oh, please, delicious football touchdown gods. Give us this game going over. It totally could. It's really the only juicy offensive matchup we get. And in terms of like the week five slate, I'm a little worried about Arizona being one of the teams that's involved in this because occasionally they fall short of the offensive expectations. You can look at their season. The Chiefs beat them 44-21, to beat them like a drum in the opener. Cardinals offense wasn't really getting it cooking. Against the Raiders, it was 23-23 going into overtime, and it was a defensive touchdown that got the Cardinals over the top in that game. So again, Kyler Murray didn't meet expectations. They lose 20-12 to to the Rams in this past week, 26-16 to over the Panthers. Boy, I hope to be wrong about this, but I think it's going to be another kind of a just mediocre day for the Cardinals offense. I'm going to say Arizona scores between 17 and 23. So, like, that's the number I have in my head. Probably closer to that 20 range. And then I'm going to reverse engineer this and say, all right, what do I think the Eagles offense can do against the Cardinals offense, or pardon me, against the Cardinals defense that the Chiefs, they absolutely had their way against this Arizona unit in week one, but I, I believe J.J. Watt was out for that game. I think he's trying to play this week despite the AFib situation that he had going on this week. Uh, defensively, they've played better as the season has gone along, like holding the Rams to 20, holding the Panthers to 16. Those are fine outings, but I don't think that's going to be able to to work against the Eagles. I'm saying Eagles go 31. They have another great offensive game. I love the Eagles right now. They're playing such good football. Eagles 31, Cardinals 20, so that means I'm taking the the, the Philadelphia squad minus the 5.5, and, and I'm taking the over 49. You know what? I'm doing it. Even though I don't feel super great about it because of the ability for the Cardinals to contribute, if Kyler kind of unlocks it and has a good game, this game is going to soar over because I don't see the Eagles scoring really any lower than 23, 24 points. And, uh, I, I mean, honestly, they probably get to at least 27. I do think they win the game. So if, if it's a case where they only get to 23-24 and, and Kyler is the guy to get to 30, it goes over either way. I would look kind of silly with my spread pick in that case, but I don't think it's going to happen. I like the Eagles. Five and a half on the road is a big number for a, a guy like Kyler who, who has done great in garbage time to be able to kind of fight his way back like he did against the Raiders, but I'm still going to stick with it. 31 for the Eagles, 20 for the Cardinals. That means I'm taking Philly and I'm taking the over 49. At long last, nearly about to wrap things up here, we get an AFC North battle on Sunday Night Football this week. Joe Burrow and the Bengals heading to Baltimore to take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I really hope there's no Game 3 of the Cardinals wildcard series that night because that's going to be an awesome game to watch. I think either way, if I'm at Bush, i got to sneak that thing onto my laptop one way or another because that is going to be an awesome matchup between two really capable quarterbacks. Uh, So I guess I lied. Eagles-Cardinals is not the only big total that we get. 
the uh, the, the night games on Sunday and Monday are, are pretty juicy as well. Do I believe this one's going to live up to the hype? The Bengals held the Dolphins defense down pretty successfully last week, but most of that was without Tua. And so I don't know really what to expect from that unit that's been beaten up a little bit at times, but they had a lower scoring game too against the Cowboys. I feel like this is just going to be a game that does sort of live up to the billing and it gets to 50 points. Lamar Jackson at the end of the day, I'm going to feel silly just betting all these overs when they're when they're such high totals, but that's life's too short to bet unders when it really is screaming, please go over. So that's I'm, I'm going to be very over heavy this week, and if I have a, big, a bad week on the podcast, I think it's going to be on totals because I think I've already picked nine overs, and uh, we might be doing it again here. Let me double check real quick. Count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine overs to just five unders. Yeah. Well, make it number 10 because uh, 48 and a half, I don't know if it contains these two quarterbacks uh, with that with that kind of total. I think this game can get to 50. I think the Ravens at home really need to be able to win this game. But defensively, can they? Um, that's kind of that's partially why I like the over so much is because the Ravens defense, kind of like we've talked about with the Lions, the Ravens continue to be the gift that keeps on giving where they allow teams to to put up high totals. Granted, last week they didn't against Buffalo, but that was partially weather-induced, I believe, in that 23-20 to 20 final score. Um, I don't know the forecast, but I'm going to assume it's not going to be Hurricane Ian Remnants once again this weekend. So I'm going to go with that over the 48-and-a-half and the way that we get there. I'm really stalling right now thinking about Bengals-Ravens. I think the Ravens win the game at home. They really need to, right? And so it makes it tough. I'm going to go, but man, you've got Jamar Chase. You've got T. Higgins playing really good. This is tricky. I'm actually going to, I'm really going to take the Bengals here. I'm going to take it because I think that the Ravens defense is a problem. And I want to, I want to make sure I'm uh, espousing that viewpoint. So I'm going to take the Bengals to win this game outright. Um, But we know what the, the Baltimore Ravens offense can do. So over 48 and a half is a breeze for me. I don't have any problems with it. Typically, you'd want to take the favorite when a game is, when you're feeling like a game is going to go over um, just based on historical trends. But in this case, I like the offenses for both teams. And so I feel like the team that has a chance to win a quasi shootout and maybe get a stop at some point is the Bengals more so than it is the Ravens. So I'm going to go Cincinnati 31 how crazy am I going to go here? I'm going to go Ravens 30. I'm going to say it's that game. Um, this is wishful thinking. You should probably fade this pick of mine, but I'm going over and I'm going Bengals plus the three points. I think they can win this one outright. That's a plus four, uh, 145 money line on DraftKings if you wanted to take it straight up. And by the way, I maybe got carried away. Ravens maybe don't get to 30, but even if it's like Bengals 27, Ravens 23, that still goes over. It gets to 50. So I'm liking the over. Sue me. <laughs> Let's get into the final game of the slate. Monday night football. The Raiders head to the Chiefs. This is going to be a bloodbath. I don't, again, the last time I thought the Chiefs were going to win in a bloodbath, it was against the Colts and they lost that game outright. But this game is at Arrowhead. It's not on the road. The Chiefs just had the wonderful win over the Bucks. You could say, well, they're going to be emotional. It's going to be a little tough, but I don't really think it is. I'm taking the Chiefs in this game. I do think they win it by more than the seven points. Uh, that being said, the Raiders' offense has been decent, right? Like, you're going to have to contend with Devontae Adams. That's a difference in the matchups where the, the Chiefs just blew the Raiders out of the building both times they played them last year. And the Raiders, like, to their credit, you look at their scoring, 19-23, 22-32. Uh, they're not going to necessarily be held down. I don't love picking the over in this game either because it's 51 points. It's the highest total of the week in the NFL. But I just think it's just the Chiefs are... are they scored 41 by themselves against the top defense in the league, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. So I can't I can't bet under on a game where I think the Raiders are going to get to 20, but the Chiefs are going to get to 30, right? Can I? Honestly, 31-20 would be a score I'd like to pick, but that's right on the 51-point total. So maybe it's a little bit more troubling for the Chiefs than that. I'm going to go really close on the spread. I'm still going to take KC. I think they have no problem in this game. 31 23, which gets it to be an eight-point margin, so the Chiefs are still going to cover on that, and uh, it's over the 51. I Again, I'm going to come back next Wednesday with you guys and be like, yep, we know exactly where things went off the rails this week. It was because I, I took all these overs, and uh, it, it didn't end up happening, and I'm the sucker, but who cares? This is what I'm doing. This is what my picks are. So there it is. 11 overs and five unders. 
Let's see how many underdogs we took. One, two, three, four, five, six. Only six underdogs. So we went pretty chalky this week as well. Um, that's that's a way to lose some money, perhaps. But maybe this is a week where it pays off. We're going to have to wait and see. Appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Let me know what you liked about this podcast, what you didn't like about it. Like, I want your feedback when it comes to these NFL podcasts because uh, I'm, I'm still kind of formulating the, the format and, and getting it just how I want it to be. So input from listeners is, is definitely going to have a big hand in uh, tightening these things up and making them better. This one went over an hour. They usually won't. I'm going to separate in the future the fantasy and the betting angles. I've already decided that. So um, you don't have to gripe at me too much about that, but you can if you want to. I already recognize, though, that it is uh, something that I want to fix moving forward. So appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me. Hit me up on Twitter at bshafer12, and we'll talk to you next time on bshafe Daily. Peace.